Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door and let's chat about art, architecture, history, real estate, and of course food. Let's jump in. For 7 million years, we've been walking. We learn how to walk as infants, stumbling at first, and then we stride into adulthood. Walking is sometimes a means to an end. It is an act that takes us from where we are to where we want to go. Walking is also an activity that offers all manner of benefits that extend far beyond our physical health. It is also good for our minds. Walks, pilgrimages, trails, routes, all crisscross the globe, some with historical significance, some with present-day purpose, and some just to allow us to take in the natural beauty of this great earth. So let's go the extra mile, clear the path, and explore the world of walking. Walking is so much more than just a way of getting from point A to point B, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. It's not only great exercise, but it's so practical too. And it has so many benefits. It's good for us psychologically, physically, and socially. And I think so many more people have taken to walking now. I think it really saved my own sanity during the pandemic lockdowns. Oh, definitely. Mine as well. Now... I just try to incorporate more walking into my daily life. Like for instance, when I'm picking up dinner or going to the dentist, whatever, I just try to get my steps in. Yeah, me too. We're really fortunate that we both live in the city center, so we can really walk to do most of our errands. And I also really like to socialize when I walk. It's how I keep connected with my gal pals and also connect with my hubby at the end of the day. And not to mention, my dogs also will drag me out no matter what the weather. For example, today in the minus, I don't know what it was outside. But the nice thing about walking is that you don't really need anybody else at all. You just can go on your own. You don't need a partner like you do for some other exercise. Just put on your shoes and off you go. Now, did you know that people have their own walking style? Like John Cleese's Silly Walk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some people definitely have unconventional walking styles, that's for sure. But did you know that how you walk can even reveal information about your personality? Really? Really. For example, if you're a slow walker, you might be more of a cautious person or you might be more self-centered. Huh? If you walk fast, you may be more of a risk taker and a go-getter. Researchers claim that how you walk is just as unique as your fingerprint, your iris pattern, and your voice. That is so cool. I had no idea, Walker, but I just want to say that we're both really fast walkers. (laughs) It is cool, and we are fast walkers. (laughs) We all have our own gait or walking pattern, too, and the gait is comprised of a few movements, actually, called a step cycle, which includes lifting and stepping down the right foot, followed by the left, and our own step cycle really differs depending on our weight, spinal alignment, length of limbs, things like that, our posture and the nature of speed, style, and paradox of the gait cycle Hmm. and the cycle varies depending on if you're walking jogging or running wow that's so interesting you know this all makes me think of my mom she actually just commented a couple of weeks ago that she could recognize me from miles away from her condo way up high above the street just by how I walked So I'm wondering what my gait says about my personality, (laughs) Walker. (laughs) 
did you ask her? She said, uh, well, you really swing your arms a lot. And ever since I'm like a little self-conscious, but that's okay. (laughs) When I was younger, my friends used to sort of pull my leg a little bit. No pun intended here. Um, I, I am short and I always tend to be in a hurry. So my short legs take these firm steps resulting quick clump, 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 clump sound when I walk down a hallway. If I was wearing higher heels too, is very distinctive. Right. People used to say that my last name was appropriate considering my distinctive walking style. That's hilarious. But I don't think you walk funny. Maybe it's because I'm a little vertically challenged as well. It, it could be. Yeah, could be. <laughs> you know, not only do we have our own individual ways of walking, but the Harvard Medical School has published tips just how to perfect the way that we walk for better health. Mm. And apparently by perfecting a few techniques, you can make your walks more enjoyable and more effective, especially if you have a goal of becoming fitter and losing weight. Mm-hmm. Now, these pointers apparently enable you to walk faster and longer. Oh, really? I'm really interested to hear. Yeah. Well, first, what you need to do is you need to stand tall. Being hunched over makes it harder to breathe and can lead to back aches. So if you can, stand as if you're being pulled up and lifted from the crown of your head. And also, try not to look at your feet. It puts stress on your neck. So ideally, you're supposed to look 10 to 20 feet ahead of you so you can spot any tripping hazards. Yeah. I see a lot of people walking around looking at their feet or even worse, their phones. In fact, there are quite a few funny videos on social media of people walking into ponds and stuff while they're on their phones. And there's some not so funny ones too, but we'll just bypass what? that. What? People laughing at people's expense on social media? <laughs> so strange. Fun. I know. What a so concept. Strange. <laughs> yeah. It's always best to be mindful of your surroundings when walking. The Harvard Medical School also mentions that your shoulders shouldn't be hunched up, up by your ears. Be nice and relaxed and always remember to unhunch. I always have to do that. It's, it's a really tense position and it doesn't allow for free swinging of your arms. So not good for you. Yeah. Yeah, not good for the arm swinger swinger over here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a tough one for a lot of people, me included. I carry a lot of stress in my shoulders, so they always feel tight. Yeah, I I think I do as well. Now, there are a couple of more tweaks here. Apparently, we need to try and keep our pelvis in a neutral position. Mm -hmm. For instance... Keep your abs tighter and don't tuck your tailbone in and then don't sort of arch your back either. That's not good. And finally, when you walk, roll your foot from your heel to your toe. Don't walk flat-footed like I do. If you want to avoid joint issues, don't overextend your leg too far in front of you as well. The ideal walking involves smooth, quiet strides, no bouncing or slamming your feet down. That is a lot to think about, Walker. It I'm is. not sure I've ever thought so much about how I walk, but I am certainly paying more attention these days. I spent a lot of my time as a teen and young adult just walking for hours. Sometimes my best friend and I would walk from Midtown Toronto to the waterfront and back, which is quite a distance, gabbing away while we were people watching. And it was free. So it was a perfect activity for me as a starving student. All we needed was a pair of shoes. Though I'm sure at the time I was wearing flats or jelly shoes or desert boots or God knows what. I'm now in my comfortable trainer years with good arch support or even sometimes bare feet in the summertime. 
I just love walking. It's really the most basic and flexible form of exercise out there. You know, this is probably why there are so many great books written on the topic of walking or ambulation, if mm. you want to use the technical term. Fancy. <laughs> exactly. One really fascinating book, which I'm in the middle of reading right now, is a book by the writer, historian, and activist Rebecca Solnit entitled Wanderlust, which is really worth reading if you want to learn more about the history of walking. One might initially think, as I did, that what is there to know about walking? But in her book, she notes that walking has created paths, roads, trade routes, generated local and cross-continental sense of places, shaped cities, parks, generated maps, guidebooks, gear, and further field, a vast library of walking stories and poems of pilgrimages, mountaineering expeditions, meanders, and summer picnics. It really is worth picking up. That totally sounds like my kind of book. Not only is walking something that most of us engage in daily and have done since the dawn of time, but I think we can all agree that walking offers extra benefits. In fact, according to the Mayo Clinic, regular brisk walks can help us to maintain our weight or even lose weight. It's also a good way to keep the doctor at bay by reducing the risk of heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. And of course, the benefits for our cardiovascular systems, muscles, and even bones are pretty obvious. But you might not know that walking regularly increases overall energy, improves our immune systems, reduces stress, and leads to better sleep, memory, and mood. Wow, those are quite a few very important benefits. What's there not to like, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Every time I think about the health benefits of walking, it brings me back to this conversation I had a few years ago with a neighbor. And Harris, as you know, I have a very sedentary English bulldog who will only walk if she can still see our house. So mm -hmm. often she just sort of parks herself on the front lawn and doesn't go very far at all. I remember once a neighbor shook her head, completely baffled by my inactive dog as I was trying to tug her to go for a walk. And I explained that she was more of a sit-by-the-fireplace kind of gal, and she replied, but I thought walking was good for everyone. And that this has sort of stuck out in my mind for quite some time now. I knew walking was good for us, but perhaps I didn't really know the extent of how good it was for us. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. We do take our ability to walk for granted, don't we? We certainly do. Mm -hmm. We certainly do. And if we have the good fortune to have the use of our legs, it's good to keep them moving. Yeah, absolutely. What I also find particularly fascinating about walking is the mind-body connection because I know that I can sort through a lot of stuff while walking out and about on my own. Yeah, I know just what you mean. While reading Wanderlust, I came across a quotation by the philosopher, writer, and composer, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, in which he says, I can only meditate when I'm walking. When I stop, I cease to think. My mind only works with my legs. Mm. Now, I've heard that some people claim that it's through walking and hiking that they either work through difficult problems or that they do some of their best thinking, sometimes most creative thinking. Yeah, it might be the most valuable aspect of walking. Well, according to the American Psychological Association, if you want to boost your mental health, take a walk. Apparently, even moderate amounts of exercise can help ward off depression. Yeah, I've heard that. The U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention also states that just two and a half hours of activity a week can result in a 25% lowered risk of depression. And even half of that amount of activity still can reduce the risk by 18% among adults. So a little goes a long way. Walking is so healing 
And personally, I love and prefer to walk in nature. Yeah, me as well. Walking outdoors only seems to add to the already long list of overall health benefits. Research indicates that 15 minutes in a forest contributes to a significant drop in stress hormones, and 20 to 30 minutes spent outdoors helps regulate blood pressure, boost immune response, improve concentration, and sleep. You've heard of forest bathing, right, Walker? Mm Mm-hmm, I have. It's the healing power of walking among the natural environment. And it can't hurt to have all that vitamin D too, I would imagine. Yeah, so let me tell you about a new program called Park Prescriptions, modeled after a program in California. In it, healthcare providers are prescribing time spent in nature two hours a week, 20 minutes a day, as a way of fighting depression and other issues. Margaret Lama, BC Family Doctor, is the director of Park Prescriptions. She states that by formalizing nature prescriptions with a defined program, we can start to create a culture change within our profession and the public that recognizes nature time as essential for our health. Wow, I love that. That's so innovative and a real game changer. It really draws attention to the importance of combining exercise with the outdoors, like hiking. Do you know the difference between walking and hiking, Walker? I think I do, but I know you're going to tell me right now anyway, aren't you? (laughs) Yes, I actually am. According to trailandsummit.com, the difference is this. Walking is typically a casual activity done in a more urban environment, uh, on roads or sidewalks. Hiking is better defined by taking on the trails and being out to immerse yourself more deeply in nature. Hiking involves a lot more than walking, though, that's for sure. Trail and Summit notes that there is also some elevation change that usually comes with hiking, like reaching a summit or traveling along a ridgeline. Oh, the dreaded elevation change. I know. Here's <laughs> I can feel it in my thighs just thinking about yeah, it. Yep, <laughs> yep. Generally, hiking is viewed as more physically challenging as the body requires more energy to take on that difficult terrain because it's just more naturally uneven, unpredictable, and undulating. Well, here's a little tidbit of information for you. I heard that you need to walk the length of a football field to burn off a plain M&M. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm sort of getting the feeling that hiking will give you the opportunity to burn off that M&M a little bit more efficiently. Maybe even a whole bowl. <laughs> yeah. But with hiking, you really need to think about what gear you might bring. Do you need waterproof hiking shoes, a hiking stick maybe for steep and unpredictable terrain? And what's the weather going to be like? Is it going to be hot? Do you need extra water? Do you need energy snacks? Typically, there's a longer commitment to distance and time when you hike, and you might even be off the grid. So you really need to be prepared. Don't forget that hat and the sunscreen. And if you are hiking somewhere unfamiliar, download a map to your phone. We had a bit of a scary incident actually in Joshua Tree a couple of years ago. We quickly learned that if you take a wrong turn in the desert, it is very, very difficult to orient yourself. Everything looks the same. And people disappear in that park every year, probably because they got lost. I'm thinking maybe you should print out a map too, just in case your battery dies or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, That is scary. I'm so glad you made it out, Harris. Well, I was surprised to read recently that there are many types of hiking trails. I read one article that actually identified 20 
24 types. Can you imagine? Wow, that seems like a lot. Yeah, now I'm not going to cover all 24 here, but I figured I might touch on a few of them. Some of the most common hiking trails that people might encounter as they go outdoors. For example, there are day trails. And these are trails that are completed within... A day? <laughs> a day. You yeah. got it. Eris, you're so smart. I know. <laughs> there are also hiker-biker trails, which are paved trails used for both cyclists and hikers. Some of my favorite, though, are interpretive trails, which are shorter but give hikers the opportunity to study flora, fauna, geological features, and historical remains. Yeah, those are the best. I love them, too. They have really good ones in Algonquin Park here in Ontario, Canada. Absolutely. And then there are the long-distance trails, which are usually 50 miles or more and are considered to be multiple-day hikes. They are sometimes called backpacking trails. Yeah, I'd love to do one of those. They have some really, really good ones in the UK. I've done a lot of hiking over the years, when I, especially when I was younger. But the 50 miles, I think I'm going to leave that to you, Harris. So why don't we talk to someone who is very familiar with the world of hiking and health? Of course, I'm referring to our very special guest, Scott Tatum. We are thrilled to be speaking today to Scott Tatum father, nomad, hiker, explorer, and founder of At You Can Outdoors. Each week, Scott delivers friendly reminders via Instagram and TikTok to close to 1 million followers to help others realize the power of self-care, mindfulness, and self-awareness. Welcome to our show, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay, me too. So let's get deep right off the bat. You often encourage your followers to know their own worth. How did you discover your own worth or have you always known it? No, I haven't always known it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm 62 now and I did not really hit this path until I was about 50, right around that 50 age. I, I've been married, divorced twice. My last one was about 13 or so years ago, but it's been a lot of work. Uh, there's nothing been... I've discovered it through through that work, but it was not anything that just like this one enlightening moment. There was just this point that I had just kind of given up on myself, just kind of, you know, I just, it's not that I wanted to, I would ever always tell people I wasn't going to go on a mountain and jump off, but right. giving up going forward. Yeah. I was just exhausted. I was just tired of living five decades of this this life and these decisions I was making, um, you know, I, my step stems from, you know, some very early childhood trauma that was pretty, for about seven years, was pretty crushing, but I carried that into adulthood. And when, and when you deal with those things and you develop these large repertoires of survival skills, you know, to kind of stay alive sometimes when you're a kid, and you and and there's no way that you've learned to get to think differently or to make the moves to think differently. Then you you carry that and you try to live your life uh, with your relationships and business and things like that with that same mindset, and it just doesn't translate. It's just yeah, the same work. toolbox it's we a, has have as kids is not the same toolbox we can a, use yep, as adults. It's a disaster. So. And yeah. so it, it, it's, um, again, when I, when I moved forward again, I found the outdoors and I found hiking, hiking, finding, finding a trail one day, driving around and parking at a lake and seeing a trailhead and just 
you know, I just, I'd go for a walk and I haven't stopped since. And that was a real turning point that led me down this path. And it's just been, a, it's been a real long one. And it's been a very, very hard one. That's why it gets into, you know, for me, it's, it is about being, it's, self, it's being a self-care savage. I just kind of adopted that myself for myself because, you know, people, I mean, people in my comments sometimes, they, they were very passionate about telling me that they loved what I did and they loved my message, but would I please take savage off? Oh, why? Yeah. Well, I just didn't, it hit them uh, uh, the wrong way. They looked at it as a negative, like it was. Okay you know, moving in an aggressive manner. But, you know, if you look Savage up in the dictionary, he talks about being fierce, you mm-hmm. know, uh, going at things in a fierce way. That's what it means to me. That's that's what I had to adopt. And that's how I had to attack this for me mm-hmm. to move through it. And I'm still in progress. You're, you're watching me, you're watching me, these friendly reminders, you're watching a guy that's still working on himself. It's still trying, trying to learn a lot. And so it's still, it's, it's continuous for me. It's there again, like I said, I I've, I've accepted and I know this is lifelong. My demons are there. My anxiety is always in the mornings. It's, you know, that's how it always has been. And now, and then those demons reposition every night when I'm asleep and they get ready. And as soon as I wake up here, they come. And there used to be, it took me hours to push past that. Mm-hmm. But that was my commitment to myself. I stuck to whatever I had to keep absorbing, whatever I had to keep reading, however much I had to keep telling myself and overriding those thoughts and critical things I was hearing. Um, I didn't move on with my day because I wasn't going to be any good. I would just have been just like I used to be. It right. wasn't in the right frame of mind and moving forward in my day. It was certainly not going to be good for myself. And I certainly wasn't going to be good to, for anybody else. Well, that's it. And I think that's where the savage piece comes in, right? It's that dedication and that fierceness to stick with the journey day by day to discover your own self-worth and to focus and prioritize on on your self-care. And I think You Can Outdoors and your friendly reminders help people do that. Like you mentioned your uh, non-negotiables in the morning that you do probably to help with your anxiety. Your friendly reminders are probably non-negotiables for a lot of your followers out there because they are just these little nuggets of just look at these aspects of your life here and there, whatever they are. And they are various. They make you think, right? And give you a little bit of a different perspective. So one of my favorite ones, and I'm I'm a huge, huge fan. So you're one of my non-negotiables every day. Nice. Good. Yeah, for sure. So thanks. A little personal yeah, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. What I love about them is that they're so brief and, and brilliant. But one of my favorites is you said, if you don't have time for the things that matter, stop doing things that don't. And yeah. that resonated with me because this seems to be such a hard lesson for us to learn why why is that i don't know if it's so much a lesson I right think, like when you hear something like that and i think when people hear that they're like well you know it's just it is a slap in the face because they don't really think about it but it's it's also somebody getting in their face and saying you know shut up yeah stop making excuses what, what, what are you talking about look at what you're doing right now on the tv whatever it is your things are you don't have time then get up earlier go to bed later 
whatever it is, it, there's no excuses for it. So I think it, it hits that too. That one particularly too is it really gets down to it's hard. Look, things that you <laughs> that you should be doing, you that you want to do, that you you because you want to be better or you want to uh, obtain that goal or you want to have a better relationship, whatever you're trying to do, it, doing the work to get past what you have to get past, which is usually harmful things or things that you're hanging on to from the past, you know, and, and things you haven't forgiven. And you have all this anger and you have all these things that drive your life because you won't deal with it be because they're painful and they're hard. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the, the component too. It's a lot of my friend reminders are like forces you to think, and, and that's part of the point, And that's where I had to get to was facing the fact. I mean, you really have to do some work to take something like that, listen to it, absorb it, it trigger you and you're going, oh my gosh, I'm weak right now. I'm weak-minded. I'm not doing the things I need to do. I have, I'm a, I'm a parent or I'm a, I'm a leader of some kind. I manage people. I have a business. Yet I don't do anything that I'm telling all these other people. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard for people to do the things that are need to be done. Mm -hmm. And so they choose not to do it. And then unfortunately it leads to talking your way out of it. It's excuses. It's just whatever else to make yourself feel better, not think about it, uh, stay away from the conversation, not read that book. That's just going to every page you turn, go just smack you in the face, doing those things you need to do to keep all that moving and it takes, it does, it It takes time and it takes strong. You have to either have hit that bottom. Yeah. Like, for example, me, you know, just kind of saying I'm done with going done. to go to sleep at night, wake up till I go to bed the next night till I die. So whatever your bottom is or whatever you get to, to go enough, you know, and, and, and I think it's, it's sad a lot of times with people that are getting, you know, they get around my age. Because when they do give up, they're, they've already given up. It's just kind of on top of what society's already laid on us at, at, at my age. Is, you know, I should be winding down. I should be getting ready to retire. And That's not you. It's, you're it, you're just it's, hitting your stride. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Look, I'm, <laughs> and I tell people, I'm living two lives right now. I'm trying to, I'm, I, messed, I missed so much time. I'm not trying to get time back. But I'm, I'm going to do and try to, try to do things that I didn't do. And I'm going to take this time, hopefully 30, 40 years left. And I'm going to, I'm going to do as much as I can do. That, that's just what it is for me. But to kind of get back to that, you know, the friend of mine you brought up and it's just hard. It's like, look, it's hard to do. So you're not going to do it. It's like starting a business or it's like doing those other things. You know, uh, people with social media, even they go, I can't do that anymore because everybody else is doing it. You know, there's 14 other people that do that. They 14 other people sell this or talking about this or whatever. There is so much pie out there for everybody. Exactly. I totally to believe do. that. So a lot of that gets down to excuses. And, and, and then you have a lot of that. They're, they're like, I even have had people talk about, you know, how do you do that? I have these ideas, but I don't want people to steal them. I used to work with this very successful lady years back. And I remember her always talking about, she didn't want to talk about things. This is when link, LinkedIn was kind of popping off. And a lot of people were going hard on that with videos and things like that. And uh, she just, she wouldn't do it because she felt like information she would be giving 
was going to then give people a, a, a roadmap of how to do it. And that scared her. It would take her, her advantage that, away or take away, you know, the possibility of her own success, maybe. Right. And, yeah. but, and here's the deal. Nobody's going to do it anyways. You know why? Because it's hard. Yeah. It, it is. It is hard. I'm not masking that at all. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want people to know it's hard. And that's, again, the savage tie-in and all this. You, you have to commit. Yeah. You got to be ready, too. You got to be you ready. To be Flat open head. to whatever's gotta, out there. You gotta cut relationships right now. You gotta yeah. you gotta clear that you gotta clear, as I call it, clear the deck. Yeah. You know, everybody's gotta go. If anybody's not supportive, if anybody, I don't care how long they've been lifelong friends mm-hmm. and supportive of your growth, mm-hmm. they're interfering with it, being negative about it, or telling you you can't do it, they are no longer in the picture. Yeah they decide to turn it on or learn anything from you or maybe something or they want to turn and they want to have that relationship with you, it's up to them to come back to you and, and show that they're on board. You can't change people. You can only go to work and change yourself. And I'm sorry if it hurts that you don't have that person you can talk to, but they're not supportive of what you're trying to do anyway. That's a huge message for, for everybody to hear, I think, is that you can't make people be something for you or with you that they're not willing to do or put the work in to do. You can only do the work yourself. Just like the and, one I put up this morning, you know, part of that message in there was, you know, you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're doing things to teach them. It also means you're not doing things. Mm-hmm. You're not uh, standing up for yourself and setting boundaries when people are disrespecting you. You're not doing these things. You let it be repetitive. You give them chance after chance, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And so you become the target. Yeah. People are, are opportunists. You know, we all have to admit these faults we have and things like that. And, and a lot of damaged people are opportunists can take advantage of somebody else's mental weaknesses. Mm-hmm what they focus on because they can't go deal with somebody that has a high self worth. Exactly. They're not going to get anywhere. And I think that's why this really resonated with me. This one, this particular reminder, because I've always been, or one of my traits has been being a yes girl. If I'm asked, I'll probably say yes. So a big part of my journey is setting those boundaries and learning Mm -hmm. how to say no because then you don't, yeah, you don't give the, the bullies and the opportunists mm-hmm. a target. They don't, you get, don't give them any airtime. So I think yeah, that's- the new target will be that you're selfish, that yeah. you're um, this, that, and the other. And it's just because, again, they're not getting what they want. I, I When I first started this, that was the first negatives that I, that I got. And it was usually from parents. It was usually from or adult children taking care of an, a sick parent or someone being feeling like they were just stuck in a job or things like that, that they had to keep in that job and all that, you know, just, just pushing back that, that you can't, I can't put myself on the top of my list. I can't take care of my, I have to do all these things. And, and the message with people like that is they're, they're hanging on the message in there. And again, where people get now pretty much with what I'm saying, look, whatever you're doing, if you've taken on that role as a leader, which again includes parents, your politicians, your 
spiritual leaders, whatever, they've anointed themselves the leader or a leader. Look, if you're not taking care of yourself first in any of those roles that you've taken on a responsibility to guide and lead people that look up to you, you're half-assing it. You're giving them right now is you're is half-ass. I don't care what you think and how much you think you're sacrificing of your time and your family, it's still half-assed. If you were taking care of yourself first, you were getting better every day, getting stronger and healthier and, and feeling good and, 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 and exhibiting that and leading by example. And, 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 and as you are taking on those roles of, of being a leader and, and guiding people and things like that, you're going to be better for that. We, human, we have a tendency to just want to hold on and not do the work because it's, it, let's face it, it's work. It's work. To, it's work. uncomfortable. So it can be it's uncomfortable. Time, it's comfort, pain. You know, it's all, all those things, but you have to do it to get to the other side. And otherwise- Self-care, all, savage up. Self-care, savage up. That's right. <laughs> It's everyone. You read the caption. There every time. <laughs> so Scott, this episode of our podcast is on walks of the world, and that includes walking and hiking and spending a lot of time outdoors. When we watch you on social media, you're usually walking the trail. So yeah. can you tell us how hiking and the outdoors factors into self-care and wellness and, and specifically you and your self-care and wellness? Absolutely. It's, it's a big piece of it. It's a, it's again, it's part of one of those non-negotiables. It's part of why you see me, I've immersed myself in this world. I, li I live it. I mean, I, I'm, I live out on my truck. I travel on that sports line. I have been for five years, you know, um, with some, you know, little pockets doing other things. You know, I was on the Appalachian Trail last year for 94 days. It's when I found hiking and found that first trail and and started walking it was immediate for me the impact it had on me now at the beginning it was extremely uncomfortable and I didn't like it but the other piece of that was it I knew I needed to do it because again I was at that point where look I can either go lay down or I can you know here's I'm feeling something what's going on here but when I went on that trail and what the outdoors became to me and I had a phone I can't remember why I left it in my truck or I had it turned off but I did not touch my phone when I started walking out there so as I started walking I just remember everything got really quiet uh the only thing I heard was wind blowing leaves my walking the water all this stuff you know all that noise all the cars and traffic and your air conditioning in your house and you know all the little just everything just that none of that was there and and then it was so I was kind of I was really getting in tune with that and then and then then my mind went off and then the demons I think uh they sensed that um I was really going to hear them at this point because they came after me with everything. I mean, it was, I could hear them louder than ever before. And I started believing that this is what happened through even that just crushing experience I was having of like, oh my God, was that I started understanding and feeling like really where it really came from. I look, I always knew everything. I stayed in the victim mentality for that, you know, decades and always blamed and 
it was always the fault, you know, of, uh, you know, my childhood and always those people in it or whatever those things were. And that, that just kind of started zeroing in on, on particular things. My point being is hours went by, um, I was done. It was dark. I had to walk back in the dark. I just, I had lost myself out there, but I just knew I, 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 I had to keep, keep going. And so I immediately went out the next day, drove another, um, hour and a half home and then I drove right back out where I was and I just started that and I just um, I started just doing it as often as I could I started understanding learning I could go out there I could get in touch get, get in those feelings like I learned how to jump back a little bit and understand more about where it came from and then I found uh, the connection here with cognitive behavioral therapy is what really connected things for me because with what I was doing is I could still go back and wallow around and get in that blame. And it was hard for me to get out of it. And if I had a thought from the past, which they were all negative at that point, it always disrupted my whole, it disrupted everything. So when I was out there doing it and I found that, and then I, then, then here came cognitive behavioral therapy landed, landed on me. I did a lot of research on it. And the reason I bring, so you have to understand too, I do have a heavy psychology background. So I was an administrator for an adolescent residential treatment center for years. My mom was a therapist. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I had all this information in my head that I never exercised on, but when cognitive behavioral therapy came, um, I started doing a lot more research on that specific discipline because here's why. Because, and I don't know if y'all know much about this, and I'm trying to give you the connection to the outdoors and what helped with that. Cognitive behavioral therapy is looking at for me is looking at what what is happening right now in my life what are these thoughts what are these things that are disrupting right now not not in the future that i'm worrying about it putting these things here going these are they're going to happen but what what why, what's going on and so you zero in on that you journal you do all these little tools i learned that i incorporated with all this to work i might need to go back maybe put a face to it or understand it a little bit more do whatever so I can and, and get it cleaned up and then come back here and now go forward without that being that disruptive. Mm -hmm. A lot of what, what cognitive behavioral therapy is. The other thing is thought pattern interruption. And this is very important because when you get out on your own and you're, you shut that noise off and you want to deal with things, you start dealing with other things, you, you got to be able to kill that negative. You got to be able to hear it, understand it, but you can't let it just wall around in there. If you don't have tools and you're, you're not strengthening your mind to shut it down, it's really hard to again, keep moving forward. So that thought pattern interruption into this day, by the time I get up and go to bed at night, I'm going to use it four, six, 5,000 times a day because any negative, anything that comes in my brain, anything now, I immediately gets buried with positive. I crush it. It's just not happening. Anymore. It's not taking me over. It's not taking my day. It's not going to move anything moving forward. I, and, and that takes me a minute and a half now, or it used to take me four hours. So I, that's just, that's what I'm saying. I just, it's all automatic. Now. It's just like brushing my teeth. Yeah. This is really interesting about the thought interruption. Thought pattern interruption. It's a, it's a big part of it. It's, it was designed around a lot of the of our soldiers around PTSD and a lot of, uh, you know, again, being able to shut it down, having this tool to shut it down so you can, you can take care of it. If you, if you, if you can't shut it off, 
it's again, it keeps you just in that, that whole process of making poor decisions, living based upon that, being scared, not, you know, all the things that go along with it. But if you, you, you can shut it down and then you're doing the work to understand where it comes from, which is a lot of the hiking for me. And that I do want to bring up one point around the physical stuff, because that's a very important piece too. the physical stuff and how things even gets more accelerated. And I, and I support hundred percent and I'll push people to that too, is that the hiking that outdoors is just not about being in this great environment, hearing these, these things and, and your senses getting turned on. It's going in a little bit more isolated areas. It's being a little bit more remote. So you're, you know, you can't just get comfortable again, but the physical part, you got to break down. I'm sorry, but you, you, the most work I ever get done is when I'm on trail, I've been on trail, the first two hours I'm on trail or depending on the train or what's ever happening, you know, that dictates distance and how much you're journeying yourself. But until my body's, I, I start feeling it and the work's now starting to get done and I'm just, my muscles are starting to get stressed and I am getting, I am feeling that. That's when I go, that's when the work happens. Mm-hmm. For me, I can't go sit down, get into a meditative state for 20 minutes and, and anything really happen other than maybe I've calmed down for a minute. I've just slowed my mind down for a minute, which is all part of that. But going to work on yourself, going to war on yourself, taking no prisoners, understanding where it comes from, being strong and going back there and kicking ass and coming back and so you can move forward. That is a warrior's mentality, but you have to treat it as this is the enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy is eating you up. You keep getting in toxic relationships. You keep self-sabotaging yourself right when you're, you're, you're starting to make strides. You keep doing all these things because you, you're playing around with it. You're going every two, every two weeks to therapy and you're doing your little assignment they give you and you go back and y'all talk about that for an hour and joke for half of that time. And it's not serious. There's nothing leading you to an end here other than it's just, you know, I'm going to therapy, you know, I guess it's working or maybe I feel better. That doesn't help anybody. Mm-hmm. And when I say anybody, I always disclaimer this. I'm talking to myself. This is about me. This is what worked for me. That's what I'm preaching and I always tell people to when, they, when they're dealing with me and dealing with my stuff and dealing with my messages. It's like anything else. Take what fits and throw away the rest. Not everything's going to apply to everybody. Yeah. And while we're still on this topic, I know you talked about the whole idea of challenges. Is this why you're continually on new paths and new locations mm-hmm. and new trails is, is for challenging yourself personally, physically yeah, and mentally? Yeah, it's all about it. Look, this is about... The outdoors, hiking, all this whole thing is about healing the mind, body, and the soul. It's all connected. Everything I do when I'm in the outdoors is better for me. Okay. It's, it, I'm, I'm doing things physically. It's better for me. I'm, I'm spending time with myself, which, which makes me better. I'm concentrating on myself. I'm breathing fresher air. I'm the, my senses are getting stimulated when people's aren't. I'm physically moving myself forward and I eat better. When you travel like me and you, you can't carry around a refrigerator full of ice cream and beer and 
these other things. And I'm not being critical. My son and I um, were having a conversation last night because a lot of people in January stopped drinking and things like that. Mm -hmm drink anymore and we were just kind of talking about that and some of the people we follow on social media you know they they stop drinking and they talk about it on their stuff and it's like I was telling my son last night and he's 28 he's out in the world you know making his mark and doing his stuff it's promoted if you're going to go something social it's bring this or let's go have this drink it, everything is about alcohol when you go out that's why I've immersed myself in it. That's how important it is to me. I, I, I take myself out of that. My goal, one of my goals this year, again, I don't know how much, you know, y'all have seen some of my stuff, but one of my biggest goals this year is to be more social. Mm -hmm. I have isolated so much over these last, especially these hardcore over these last five years. And just really working on myself. You know, I haven't had any relationships. I haven't done anything, uh, pursued anything, haven't wanted to, and I just stayed real isolated. So I'm kind of in, I'm in a maintenance mode now as far as, look, I, I know what I'm capable of, and I know if somebody put a gun to my head and said, walk until you, or 5,000 miles or you die. I mean, I'm going to make it to 5,000 miles. I mean, that's how I know where my brain is. I'll drag myself over it. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's that's how strong I am. But I don't, going back into social situations, I'm, I, this is very important to me because now I'm putting myself in a very uncomfortable, familiar situations again. You know, I'm seeking people out a little bit more, even out, you know, when I'm out moving around. And um, I've got a new segment series starting on YouTube that I'm going east. Starting on Monday, I'll be, doing hikes with people and uh, it's putting me very social with people and instigating those things. So I'm, I'm wondering, plus, you know, people are always asking me, you know, am I married? Would you all do all these things? You know, and I always say no, and I'm very deliberate about it. And it's not, I'm no good to anybody right now. You know, I'm, I'm maybe someday I will be, I, I'm good to myself right now. That's enough. But so, but I would like to know, I mean, if, you know, putting myself in that situation, it'd be very uncomfortable, but do I still, if I meet somebody, do I have those? Do I want to have a relationship, or do I do I have those feelings to even pursue it, or or if I do, how am I going to handle it, or where am I at with all this? So this is a very important piece to me. So and people don't need to do what I do. I always tell people, you don't need to do what I do. You don't need to go on social media and bury your ass. You don't need to 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 show everything to the world. This is just part of my therapy. You know, yours may be a different way. I do encourage everybody, whatever it is you do, that if you start healing and you start getting better and feeling better, I really do hope you announce it to the world mm. because that's going to be that next piece of leading by example. And then also that talk about taking your, your own self-care to a different level is start talking about it and what's worked for you. And, and it's not going back and telling war stories. It's, 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 just using your stories and giving people hope mm -hmm. can get through this. And it is, it can be hard. It's not easy. And it's, and, but here's how I did. It actually brings me to my next question okay. because you are leading by example here in a positive way. And you have this huge following on social media. Do you ever get trolls even with all your positive mm -hmm. messaging? Yeah. I don't categorize, categorize any of those, those people as trolls. So um, look, Six years ago, probably, 
kind of really starting to, to, to uh, uh, you know, push on this a little bit and having a small following, maybe a couple thousand people or something. You know, I, I was fighting. You know, if somebody, if somebody wanted to troll me, you know what? I got all freaking day. I got all night. You want to just go? Let's go. <laughs> my messed upness around, you know, and my protecting of myself. And that was so, such old behaviors of, um, you know, not wanting anybody to look at me as being weak or, or if you were critical of me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to expose you. Just all that stuff that I just don't care about anymore. So, yes, I get the trolls, and, and here they kind of get categorized. If they're they're saying something, it's just kind of blurring some out in, in a little bit of anger, or they say, eh, you know, I normally agree with your stuff, but that one's way off, and, and here's why. I just leave it alone. If they're not really making a point that I feel is, is because sometimes people get triggered, and it really has nothing to do with the post, and then they blur out stuff, and it's like, wait a second, that's not what I just said. I just leave those there. I leave them alone. If somebody gets aggressive, they immediately get blocked. And I de delete the comment if I see it. So I used to could be on very top of that stuff. And, and I always, when I post something, I try to take the time to get in there and, and go through as much as I can. And I do like, I, that's what I would want. And that's what I want as I want to be acknowledged. And if I'm going to you know, they're going to take the time to comment on something or especially leave their feelings or or give a story or, or help benefit the community. I, I want to try to, to recognize it. But back to the trolls, they don't mean anything to me anymore. And I, because here's the other reason why I, I, I feel really bad for them. Because to tell you the truth, I can identify with getting triggered and saying stupid shit. And look, some of it's rude and uncalled for. Some of them are doing it for reactions. Some of them, they have these little groups and want, they get a reaction from, from an influencer on something. They're going to tell all their other 10 little people, go go over here and pile onto this because we got this guy hooked right now. He's, he's, he's responding. And so that's how I look at it. I, I feel very bad for him. There's no anger around it. I always tell people, and it's given them ammunition if they ever wanted it, but I, I don't really care. But there's there's two people that I care about. My my boys, trolls are there. If you're going to be on social media, I tell people this, you're going to be, if you're going to be on social media and you can't deal with a troll, you can't be criticized. You care too much about what somebody that's hurting themselves is going to say. You can't deal with trolls. Get off social media. You don't, you don't belong on there. You're, you're actually being part of the problem because right. Trolls are on there because they are looking for you. They're looking for who gives them a response and they know that triggers them. That's what they're, that's their pain. That's what's making them feel better to know that they made somebody feel bad for whatever reason, because of what's going on with them. You, 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 you just got to get off and um, got to stop responding. And you got to, that's a big part of my message too, is you can't go forward if you're allowing that. Yeah, well, that's pretty great advice. So I know you have some pretty great things happening on the horizon. For one, your son is going to be handling your YouTube channel, correct? He is. Well, he is, yep. he is now. Yeah. And you're working on a book. Can yeah. you tell us anything about it? So it's, I just, the, the final manuscript got done uh, 
about three weeks ago. So it's an actually, again, this is all new to me. It's in copy editor right now. So uh, that's the stage it's at. This whole book thing, see, these are just these opportunities come for me, the gratefulness I have. Look, I never thought about writing a book for a lot of reasons and my still a lot of my self-conscious stuff. Look, I'm very ADD, as y'all can probably tell. I used to be very ADHD. They, most of the H is gone now, but I get very distracted and I can go off. But I'm really working on that. Um, but also I'm dyslexic. That was something I actually had lots of people contacting me a year ago, a year and a half ago. And hey, have you ever thought about doing the book? Just all this stuff started coming. I'm just like, what? you know, I can't even... I'm not, I can't write and, and I can't even have time read without having to reread it five times because, you know, that D that was supposed to be there is way over here and all these, you know, because mine is is just so, mine is just very managed. I know how to manage it, but when I accepted uh, that, it forced me to, to really, really uh, accept that part of me fully and also understand I could overcome those things and letting them know that up front. And I couldn't have never self-published a book. And I may not ever be able to self-publish a book unless I can hire my own editors and all that. Having an editor was just a godsend because, you know, you get to, you know, there's that interaction and then they kind of understand what you're trying to say. And then they can get through a lot of that stuff. You know, for me, I mean, it's not like it wasn't, I can't write and things like that. It's just that it was a longer process and, and again, it needed, uh, you know, just a little bit more, more work. But it, it that's the stage it's in. It will be released as a run out, slated to be released September of this oh, year. Oh, September, wonderful. Um, yeah, so it's copy editor. So they'll send me that stuff when it's done. And then it'll go to artwork. And then I'm supposed to work with marketing. Again, I'm still learning this. This is not this is what I've been told. And there are these thresholds. And so I just, I'm doing what I'm told. And and new challenges yeah all new challenges it is fun so we'll see what happens with it who knows yeah well scott you know you are an inspiration to so many including us and we're so grateful that you could take the time that we could pin you down for a minute or two today to chat and i'm sure Absolutely. our listeners are going to love to hear this for our listeners you can follow scott at at you can outdoors and you is the letter U, not Y-O-U on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow yeah. him, know your worth and protect your peace. You go. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks, Scott. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. Scott is such an inspiration, isn't he, Harris? He so is. The thing I love about walking or hiking is you can really tailor it to your own life and preferences. Many people combine their love of walking with other activities. For instance, Laura Maclem, who is a mudlark based in London, England, and she's doing just this. Yeah, I follow her now on Instagram because of you. Mudlarking is so fascinating. For those of our listeners who do not know what a mudlark is, it's someone who digs or searches in muddy ground for artifacts. Yeah, Laura has discovered so many really interesting things, many with historical value during her walks along the Thames. Yeah, she really has. It's so cool to see what she comes up with. But it makes sense as London is an extremely old city. The shores of the Thames must be littered with wild and wonderful finds. Mudlarking itself, actually, dates back to the Victorian times when the poor would look for things of value along the shore, like mudlark birds. 
Now, it's my understanding that you need a permit to mudlark, at least in London. Is that right? Yep, yep, you're right. You do need to apply to the Port of London Authority through their website for a standard permit. But as I understand it, uh, there's a pause right now on new permits. But if you are interested in mudlarking, you can join a guided archaeological tour. You can find these via the Thames Explorer Trust. They offer two-hour tours that are about 25 pounds each for people ages eight and up. Well, that sounds like a much better deal than spending 14 years in university and acquiring a whopping student loan to experience the life of an archaeologist. Oh, are you speaking from experience, Walker? <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little. So there, there's another woman named Doreen on Instagram who goes by the handle at Seafaring Glasser. I follow her as well. Mm. She's involved in mudlarking in the United States and regularly posts her beach finds. And they are so varied, very interesting, and some of them quite beautiful. Oh, I can't wait to check her out. Mudlarking is a little bit like scanning the sand for seashells and sea glass, isn't it? It certainly is. I picked up a few wee shells on my recent beach walks in Mexico, but a little bit of plastic refuse too here and there. Yeah. So did you find that the time walking that you found it especially therapeutic? Yeah, I really did. My husband and I walked the beach at sunrise every day with a coffee in hand and every evening just before dark. So we saw the whole range of activity on that beach. We watched babies squealing in the surf and playing in the sand. We nodded hello to all the other fellow beach walkers. And I even almost got taken out at the knees by a very low-flying pelican. Oh, those dangerous pelicans. <laughs> I know. For me, I absolutely love the rhythmic motion of the sound of the surf coming in and out. I find it very calming. And I'm going to let you in on a little a little secret I have. When I go away, I actually film the water for, you know, five minutes yeah. and then I take it back and I replay it all winter long while I'm sitting in my living room. Oh, that's a really good idea. And I just idea. watch the waves come in and out and listen to it. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> that makes me feel calm just listening to that. Uh, it can be invigorating too though, Walker. Like walking in that soft sand, it's a workout. It certainly can be a workout and getting those legs moving is an easy way to really get your body in motion. Mm -hmm. You can preambulate around your neighborhood or travel to the other side of the world as many people choose their trails based on geographic location, the complexity of the train and the vistas. Others choose their trail based on historical reasons. And as you know, I eat, sleep, and breathe history. So mm -hmm. any historical walk through a city or town is appealing to me. I came across just recently a walk online, which looks absolutely magical. It's the walk at Bally Sagartmore Towers, located close to Lismore, Ireland. The towers were built in 1830 as the entrance to a castle which was never built as the owner ran out of funds. And the towers are part of a 30 to 40 minute loop walk through the woods mm. i've always wanted as well to experience the whiskey trail in scotland but maybe not just for the walking yeah i think that might actually impact <laughs> the ability to walk <laughs> my wobbly walk your wobbly walking <laughs> walker there are so many walks i'd like to take though especially if now we're talking about beach walks mm -hmm. i have yet to go to hawaii or bali so those would be high on my list as well what about you let's Let's hear your short list. I have so many. We're actually planning some good walking trips with some good friends of ours once the kids are all out of the house. I would love to do the coast-to-coast -coast walk in England that crosses the Lake District, Yorkshire Dales, and the North York Moors. 
It's about 313 kilometers, so definitely a multi-day walk. But think of all the great pubs you can stop and, you know, put up your feet in. And of course, there is the Camino de Santiago, the pilgrimage that encompasses routes that travel through France, Spain, and even Portugal. Otherwise known as the Way of St. James, this became a major pilgrimage route in the medieval times, beginning in the 10th century. There are still about 200,000 pilgrims a year that walk these routes. But we'll chat more about pilgrimages in an upcoming episode, right, Walker? Right. Now, I know we've said this before, but what I really love about hikes and walks is that you can customize them. And if natural beauty is a priority for you, then take a peek online and search out the most beautiful trails in the world. See if anything catches your attention. I did just this and came across an interesting article by Condé Nast Traveler. They presented a short list of some of the most remote and beautiful hiking trails in the world. And I have to admit that the Hornstrander Peninsula in Iceland was calling me. They claim it is the perfect Icelandic route if you want to explore nature in near solitude. The area is quite remote and there aren't even roads for vehicles. You're really going to depend heavily on your feet to experience the 42-mile route between Hester E and Kogur. Any activity in Iceland sounds like bliss to me. It is just such a beautiful country. Actually, it sounds a bit like remote Newfoundland to me, the way they describe finding small groups of houses huddled together to gain protection from the wind. And you know, I'm a big fan of Newfoundland. I do know you're a big fan of Newfoundland, and I am too, since much of my family are Newfoundlanders. Aw, lucky you. I know. Newfoundland is really a special place. But if you're looking for something even more strenuous, and you are an experienced hiker, I came across some articles that outline some options for being the toughest walks in the world. And some of these can be dangerous and clearly not for me. One of which is the Mount Kilimanjaro Machami route, which is truly challenging as it is 36 kilometers and said to be especially tough because it is the most direct way up the mountain. The route offers little opportunity to adjust to changing altitudes, resulting in altitude sickness. Yeah, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro is on my bucket list for sure, but you do have to train for it. And I have had altitude sickness before, not badly, but I will do anything to take the slow way up a mountain. That that trail is not for me. I also read about an 11-mile trail in Kalalau Valley in Kauai, Hawaii. I initially thought, oh, well, that sounds nice. It's Hawaii. How bad could it be, right? Uh, was it bad? Well, tell me what you think. The trail is situated 4,000 feet above the ocean. You've got waves crashing against a cliff as you navigate dense jungle and steep terrain. Slipping and falling Harris on the muddy trail into the waters below apparently is a huge risk. Oh. And if the trail isn't already challenging enough, you can actually toughen it up a bit and can tack on a further 19 miles into the valley, which would involve a climb of up to 1,200 meters that only six known people have recently completed. Holy cow, that sounds awful. (laughs) But don't mention it to my husband. He might be tempted. I know, right? My husband likes his walks as well. So I'm going to have to be quiet about this one. Now, did I mention too that the trail is shared with wolves and black bears? What? (laughs) Do they have wolves and black bears in Hawaii? 
<laughs> I know it sounds like candor, right? Actually, I'm just pulling your leg. Sorry, just pulling your leg you're a bit hilarious. about that. If Greg does find out about this trail, you're going to have to inform him though that he's going to be hiking solo, as there is no tour guide for this trail. Yeah, he wouldn't have a problem with that. He is not the tour guide kind of guy. Now, if you want to learn more about some of the toughest walks in the world, I recommend you go to a blog called World Walks: The World at Your Feet. Well, thanks for the tip, Walker. No problem. <laughs> Hippocrates said that walking was one's own best medicine. Walking can be therapeutic, spiritual, social, and physical. We can all walk our own path, customize our own routes, and trailblaze our own adventures. Who knows just what we will discover along the way. Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your hosts, Harrison Walker. Follow us each week as we continue the conversation.